Welcome to Cal St. G Academy, the educational podcast of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. These podcasts are intended to inform and deepen your faith so that you can share your faith thoughtfully with the world around you. For more information about the parish, go to calvarystgeorges.org. And now, break out your moleskin prayer journal, and let's get started. The Year of the Bible is a series of Cal St. G Academy. Each episode will cover a new book of the Bible in a concise, in-depth, and ultimately edifying way. These lectures are recorded live each week at Calvary Church in New York City. So 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude, the books right before the final book that you all have heard of before, the book of Revelation. So... First, second, and third John, they've all been traditionally attributed to the author who wrote the Gospel of John. Now, uh, we don't know for sure if this author did that. In fact, the first book of John doesn't really have any kind of mention in the text itself as to who wrote it. But second and third John say they were written by the elder. Uh, And this person is thought to be that John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Whether you come to the conclusion that that author wrote all these books or not, it's not that big a deal. It's here in our canon, and we're here to listen to what it has to say to us. So, let's start with 1 John. 1 John is talked about as an epistle, but or a letter, but it's not really much of a letter. It's more of a poetic sermon. There's not a, at the beginning of the book, to the exiles of the dispersion, or to Timothy, my beloved, or to the churches of Galatia or anything. And First John just goes. So it's more of a sermon. But interestingly enough, and it, if you've ever read First John, you might find it a little bit frustrating, because the author of this book does not put, it's not a linear type argument. It's, it's kind of this like circular thing where the author goes over the same themes again and again and again. And those themes seem to be life, love, and truth. Sorry, light, love, and truth. So why is the author writing this book? It seems to be that a group of people have broken off from this church or maybe some churches and are stirring up trouble amongst those who stayed in the church. So like a lot of the the epistles, these are, I guess you'd say, situational letters. They're arising because there was a conflict. Now, again, the main themes, God is light, God is love, and an emphasis on truth. So, God is light. The author says that we participate in God's own life by walking in the light. So God is light. How do we stay? How do we abide in Christ? Well, we walk in the light. And walking in the light is loving one another as God loved us. This sounds a lot like what the gospel writer of John says, right? Abide in me and I in you. There's a lot of light language. So it's very similar. God is light. How do we walk in the light? Well, we love one another as God loves us. Now in 1 John, 
as we saw a little bit in Paul, there is this juxtaposition. God is the light. The world, according to the author, is of darkness and is passing away. So God is of the light. The world is of the darkness and passing away. Now, when we say the world, in quotes, John here does not seem to be saying that the world that, you know, gives us food, that we live on, like, he's not saying that's a bad thing or a bad place. When John talks about the world, it's much like the way Paul does. It's the powers and principalities of darkness. Uh, it's the, the, the lusts, all that kind of corrupts us and the people of God that makes us turn to sin. Um, this is the world, and that is of darkness, that is passing away. God is of the light, and God is eternal. So, the message is don't love the world's darkness. And when he talks about the the world's darkness, he zeroes in primarily on pride and sexual corruption. So, don't be so veered off track by your own ego. Don't be so veered off tracks by the lusts of the flesh. God is light. Walk in the light. Love one another. Stay away from these things that harm you. So, God is light. That's very intertwined with the next theme, God is love. If God is love, then you ought to love. That's kind of what I just said earlier, right? You walk in the light by loving one another. God is love, so we love, and we sacrifice ourselves for others. And one way to be sacrificial toward our neighbors is First John is calling for his audience to be hospitable to the messengers of God. So the people who are bringing the gospel message to the world, a way that you can follow in the steps of God being love and being love yourself is to be hospitable. And if you've been paying attention to the scriptures at all, uh, I, don't, I haven't talked about this always, but hospitality is all over the place in the New Testament. It's all over the place in the scriptures in general. This is one way you and I can love, to be hospitable. That's a little hard for New Yorkers who might live in studio apartments or one-bedroom apartments. But what does it mean to be hospitable? What does it mean to love in that way? And I think that I'm just going to leave you with that as opposed to giving you five ways you can do that. So the other theme, so we said God is light, God is love, there's also an emphasis on truth, or what we might say, doctrine, belief matters to First John. Maybe you've heard this. This is getting a little tired and a little old now. But for a while, there was this kind of emphasis, deeds over creeds, good works over dogma, what you do over what you believe. First John, for First John... That's a false dichotomy, a false distinction. God is light. We walk in the light. God is love. We love and are hospitable. But also, it's very important that we believe the right things about God. And in fact, as we said, Paul kind of emphasizes in some of his letters, there seems to be this notion that if you believe a right, it will affect how you act. So what is the thing the author of 1 John is concerned about? And it seems that this is the reason why he penned the letter in the first place. It's that there are these false prophets 
that came in to either this community or communities, and they are denying that Jesus is the Messiah. They're denying that Jesus came in the flesh. The big word for this, the way they've been described through history, are the docetists. Those who deny that the body is a good thing. The body is icky, according to the, the docetists, so of course God did not assume a body in Jesus Christ. Jesus was merely a spirit or a phantom. That is it. Interestingly enough, though, this isn't just some like thing to know that's helpful to know about Jesus. He is saying that we can discern true believers, we can discern those who are walking in the light, who are walking in love, by hearing these teachers preach. And if they are saying that the body is bad, or that the world itself is bad, most likely their actions are going to result in evil actions or bad actions. Part of the reason why he focuses on pride and the lusts of the flesh is that it appears that some of these teachers were like, well, the body doesn't matter, so you can have sex with anything. Or the body doesn't really matter, so, you know, don't be so worried about the ego. Now, of course, there were some who questioned if Jesus came as a human being who thought, oh, no, no, the opposite. In fact, we must mortify our flesh to the nth degree because the flesh is so bad and so we got to deny our bodies. But it seems like in this letter, John seems to be zeroing in on those who had the opposite problem, who were licentious. So, God is light. God is love. Truth matters. It matters that Jesus is, in the words that we'd say today, fully God and fully human. As Doug talked about in our letter to the Hebrews, he has become in every way, just as you and I are, yet did not sin. So that's what I'm going to say about 1 John, and if you have any questions, hold it to the end. We're going to go to Second John, and you'll notice First John's the longest of these four books. The other books are like a chapter or two, two each. So Second John, uh, this letter self-identifies as written by the elder. Um, Jesus, in First John, it's the same emphasis as First John. It's just written in more letter form and not a poetic sermon form. And he, he says the same exact thing. It seems that this problem did not go away after 1 John was written. He says that Jesus is a flesh and blood figure. And he emphasizes Jesus is not a pure spirit. Jesus came just like you and I did. And why is this important? Well, this isn't in the scriptures, but a few hundred years later, this great church father named Athanasius said, and makes clear, and I love this, he says, what God did not assume he did not heal. What God did not assume, he did not heal. So, if we have this problem with God, if there is this chasm between us because of sin, God really did need to assume what we are in order to heal it. Now, Second John doesn't say exactly that, but it's very similar, and I think it'll help us remember Second John. Once again, I'll say it for the final time, 
There were some who said that Jesus never came in human flesh, only appeared like he was a human. And the reason they emphasized this is because there were ideas in the air at the time that the divinity would not soil itself by being too closely associated with matter. I don't know if you've been familiar with any kind of New Age movements that are going on. This stuff is still alive, this docetic impulse, this Gnostic impulse that bodies don't matter. But then what do we do about you know, our homeless friends? Or what do we do for people who are really suffering? And they're suffering in body, right? These ideas can have harmful effects. It's, well, the body and the world, it doesn't matter at all. So, like, let them be. Christians from the beginning have said, no, the body does matter. And that is why the homeless person matters. That is why the person in need matters. So again, going back to 1 John, the emphasis that God is love, and so we ought to love. And this truth is intertwined, this doctrine with that belief. 2 John, unlike 1 John, says that those, you've heard the term the Antichrist before, probably in popular media, or maybe some of these people in Union Square. 2 John talks about Antichrists. And he talks about how they've already come. The Antichrists, according to 2 John, are those who deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. Again, why might he emphasize that so strongly? Well, if I'm told to take care of someone like Doug and Doug's to take care of me, if we're to bear each other's burdens, it matters that we're not just concerned about you know, allegedly spiritual things. We're concerned about earthly things as well. So 3 John, this is the third of the Johannine letters, also written by the elder. It's more of a recommendation letter. This is a very, very short letter. And actually all of the summaries of it and, and reflections upon it are longer than the letter itself, which I found pretty funny, uh, much longer. So this is a recommendation letter, uh, and it's composed to a man named Gaius. So this was probably a letter written to an individual named Gaius, and in this letter, he recommends him um, to, he recommends Demetrius to Gaius. So Demetrius is probably a missionary or leader in the church. He has a group coming with him, and he says, receive Demetrius. I know you've been aware of these false teachers who've tried to come in and steer the ship astray. Demetrius knows what he's talking about, is coming in love. He's walking in the light, walking in love, and he's got the truth. So receive him, be hospitable to him. So the purpose of the letter is to encourage Gaius to, to warn him against this other guy. His name, we have no idea who this is, but Dio, how do you say it, Doug? Diotrephes, Diophrephes, or something like that? I'm having trouble pronouncing it. But this one guy was like the others, denying Jesus came in the flesh. Um, no, no, sorry. He was the one who, the other side of the coin, right, denying in the flesh, or... Pride, Dimitri Diophrates, we'll get the right pronunciation in a second. He was setting himself up as the greatest of all the leaders in the church. And so much so that he was saying, he was saying, these other leaders, don't listen to them. Don't invite them in. So here John is saying, this guy, let his ego get away from him. In fact, this other guy, Demetrius, has the truth, believes the truth, and is walking in love. 
So receive Demetrius and be wary of Diotrephes' message. Again, the importance is much like Second John. Hospitality is important. Um, and hospitality, especially to those who are the messengers of God, who are saying that Jesus came in the flesh. Those who are walking in the light and in love. Now, the final letter we'll talk about is the letter of Jude, who is, the first three letters may have been written by the same person, maybe not. Jude is definitely not written by those people. The author talks about uh, how a guy named Jude or Judah wrote this letter. And um, in Protestant traditions, we tend to think that this is one of the brothers of Jesus, um, like James. In the Roman Catholic tradition, they think of this as the Apostle Thaddeus, Thaddeus, who is listed as one of the twelve, but isn't really talked about much at all. I really don't know, and I'm not too concerned about that. Interestingly enough, if you go online, you can see articles in the book of Jude where three-quarters of it is on who is the author, and the book itself, it's a quarter, which seems to me to lose your way. So we're not going to focus on that so much. We're going to talk about the author of the book of Jude says he is appealing to Christians, much like in the books we just talked about, to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Again, the false teachers that we talked about earlier seem to also be in this guy's vicinity or in this guy's churches. So he's writing this letter to say, guard against those people who pervert the grace of God into licentiousness. So, in other words, what does that mean? It does seem that some people were probably misunderstanding Paul and saying, and they were probably associated with these docetists or donatists, those who deny that the body is good, and they're saying, it doesn't matter how we live. We can just do whatever we want. Now, we've focused at this church a lot, and in this forum, we focused a lot on Christian freedom. We do believe in radical grace. We believe that there could be sins in your life that you're going to time and time again, and you're like, I just find myself not repenting, and you are forgiven. But these types seem to say that the law itself, Jake likes to talk about law and gospel, these people say do away with the law altogether. In light of what Jesus has done, you can do whatever you want. But even Martin Luther, right, those, the guy who Jake and I like so much, what he says about Christian freedom is not that this is a freedom to go back into bondage, the bondage of sin. Christian freedom is about being able to walk in the light. Christian freedom is knowing that when you do sin, you are forgiven. But Christian freedom is not this license to just, in the words of Paul, essentially hurt yourself. So that's what Jude is saying. Be aware, be wary of these people, these teacher types, who pervert the good grace of God into just do whatever you want, even though it might hurt you. Um, Now, again, um, the emphasis seems to be on money. Uh, The gospel writers are all about being generous, right? Um, There were some people in the scriptures who we read about who were wealthy people, and they were enjoined, serve those less fortunate than you. But it does seem that he focuses in on money and again, 
once before, like what I talked about earlier, this like kind of free-for-all sex. Um, and I don't know about you, but since the 60s, we've had a, a, a change in emphasis on sex. But I think even those of us who've been blessed by maybe relaxing a little bit on, on judging ourselves about every little thing, I think all of us would agree that free-for-all sex is not healthy. It's not good for us. In fact, it causes a lot of pain and a lot of problems. So I think that that's what the author of the book of Jude is saying. Be faithful to the truth once given. If someone is a true antinomian, and Jake likes to say those people don't exist, and I think he's being, he's being facetious. But if someone is, it really is saying, well, it's not law and gospel. Uh, it's just whatever. That's not good news. So again, there's kind of a, a theme that runs through these books. John puts it in this way. God is light, so walk in the light. God is love, so we ought to love. Truth matters. It matters that God came in the flesh, that God became one of us, so that we may be right, made right with God. It matters. Our bodies matter so much that a free-for-all kind of sex thing, it does hurt us. It's not good news. Our bodies matter in that being prideful about escaping the flesh or not needing help from the outside is not a good thing. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Cal St. G Academy. All of these podcasts are recorded at live events and lectures hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. Want to hear more? Stop by the church sometime and attend one of these events live or swing by one of our many services where we seek to rightly divide the word of truth week by week with sermons that always point to where we end and God begins. Find out more about all of our events and offerings by visiting calvarystgeorges.org. And if these free podcasts have meant something to you and you feel led to support our ministry, head on over to calvarystgeorges.org slash giving and make a donation today. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.